0: storybook a once upon a time rewatch and analysis podcast you're joined today by three candy-coated witches cursed to believe they're adult podcasters
1: before we begin our podcast artwork was designed by nickel anarchy and our theme song was created by taylor paisley
2: french be aware this podcast contains spoilers for the once upon a time series
0: i'm darian joined by robert hello and erica hey what's up what's up robert what are we doing today
2: Well, that's a good question, Darian. Today, we're looking at season one, episode nine, True North, which premiered on ABC on January 15th, 2012. It was written by Edward Kitsies, Adam Horowitz, and David H. Goodman. It was directed by Dean White. And also, for a correction for last episode, episode eight premiered on January 8th, not January 12th. Notably on this day, *Contraband* was the highest rated movie at the box office. The number one song is still Sexy and I Know It and George Clooney and Meryl Streep win Golden Globes for their roles in The Descendants.
1: Wait a second. Meryl Streep was in The Descendants?
2: (laughs) Apparently, according to this one thing I looked up.
1: (laughs) She was in The Iron Lady that year.
2: Uh, Why is it... Yeah, you are correct. She was in that. Okay, so this website lied to me. Thank you, Erica, for your correction. Are we ready? We are going to spin that wheel and the person reading today, who will it be? It will be... Erica.
1: All right. Are we ready? I can time myself if we need. No, no, no. We want to. I I will do it to keep you honest. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna give myself four minutes and hope you just didn't four. notice.
0: <laughs> just like honestly, bumped it like twelve extra seconds and just be. All right,
1: I'm getting. All right, ready. All right, this is the Hansel and Gretel episode in the Enchanted Forest. We find out the story of Hansel and Gretel, notably the darker one where the witch eats children and they burn her alive at the end. Regina is of course involved. She's the one who sends them into the witch's house to get the poison apple to eventually give to Snow. She also wants to adopt Hansel and Gretel. Um, They say no, they want their dad. It's about, again, biological family we will always find each other. Meanwhile, in the real world, Emma tries to get their father in Storybrooke to adopt them because this is very triggering for her. It ends up working out in the end. Also, she brings up her baby blanket and Mary Margaret's. Sniffs it at one point at the end of the episode. And she's like, "Hmm, this seems familiar to me. And that's the main point of the episode. Also, there's a sexy cliffhanger at the end with a man on a motorcycle entering Storybrooke, because apparently people are coming and going now because of Emma. And he has a scary wooden chest strapped to the back of his motorcycle. What's going on with that? I don't know. guess we're going to find out in the next episode.
0: Nice. With 10 seconds to spare. I think we covered it.
1: It wasn't a particularly complicated episode. (laughs) No, there's not like a lot of layers going on here.
2: No. So, I guess that brings us to why did we think of this episode?
1: It's really good. It's a fun one. Yeah. I couldn't get it out of my head how much the little girl who plays Gretel looks like Annabeth. Oh, toast. Yeah. yeah. She's the only competent
0: one of these two.
1: Yeah, she's making all the decisions for her and her twin brother and it's him that gets them in trouble when he tries to eat the cupcake. I was like, "Oh, Annabeth." Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: I I really liked it. I had remember that there was a Hansel and Gretel episode. I had forgotten how much it ties into Emma and her whole thing. And I think the best episodes of season one, or at least the strongest ones for me, are the ones that more directly tie into Emma. And it's the thing that she is most emotionally invested in because it is the Cinderella episode. Both of them are like relating into her experiences. And so simultaneously, she's more invested and we become more invested in
1: her because we get to learn more about what this woman has gone through to get here. Speaking of what she's gone through, I remember the one thing I forgot to mention that's important is that this is the episode where Henry asks about his dad. Oh my gosh, that scene I forgot. Yeah, they're in the police station. Emma and Henry are in the police station and they're looking for the father of real world Hansel and Gretel. And while they're looking for this dad and Emma is so determined to find this dad and we're thinking about Emma's parents, Henry Mm -hmm. obviously juts in and goes, well, what about my dad? Do you want to tell me about my dad? And I was like, ah! yeah Mm -hmm. and emma lies she straight up lies and we can tell that she's lying pretty much i would say based on her acting but then we do hear her confess to mary margaret that she fully lied by Mm -hmm. the end of the episode she says that he's a firefighter and that he died
0: they died saving a family that they met because he she worked at the diner and he'd come in and complain about the pumpkin pie but he'd always come back and you know she's lying because also like it just doesn't track with like what we know about what this woman has been through mm. this kind of like cute romantic type meet cute at a diner meet you at a diner and like that's the like father of your child and he's not around because he's dead like that doesn't get to happen to a person like like emma and what she's been through that doesn't align with who she is and like what she's dealing with but the way she tells it so quickly like the way I'm interpreting is like she's told herself this lie so many times like this isn't just the lie she invented in the moment for Henry this is what she has done in her head like this is the story she wishes it was that's so funny
1: because I was like oh she's
0: totally making this up on the spot (laughs) I don't give her enough credit to be able to make up on the spot when it's about like the dad. I think she's an amazing liar. I think she is. No, I totally think she is. But I also think like when it would come to like Henry and then the dad, I feel like she has yeah. too much like emotion there that she'd be like, uh, oh, wait, what? You want to hear about your dad? I don't, I don't want to tell you that. That's, you don't mm-hmm. need to know that kid. You just, and the fact that she had the lie already had me in her head like this like young woman who gave birth in prison when she was like 17 years old. I, could see her rewriting the narrative in her head into something a little bit more pleasant when she just needed to have a more pleasant memory to reflect on. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying that's true or not, but that's just the thing my brain does to make a story more sad, is that.
1: Robert, right thoughts?
2: In general or about Emma's acting skills? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jennifer Morrison is incredible, period. Jennifer Morrison already, is incredible. We've already established that.
2: It, it It doesn't help me because I'm also watching like bits and clips of house md on youtube and she's a prominent character for like the first six seasons six seven seasons Mm. so i'm like hey look there she is and she's giving house the business i'm like ah, yeah classic i love her um One highlight that I've had for this episode that I think Darian wants to talk to me about is the comic that Henry's reading at the beginning. The
1: comics. The
2: only thing I know about that particular comic series is that in that issue, Hulk rips apart Wolverine. I think
0: mm-hmm. it's part of the Ultimates Marvel universe, where notably Miles Morales is originally from. Mm-hmm. It is considered like the edgy, darker timeline, like universe they were playing with. Some really shady stuff goes down there. But that comic in particular, I was curious as to when it came out, just wondering timeline wise, uh, Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk number three, published March 4th, 2009. So that tracks of like when we believe like Henry would be reading the comics when they were filming this. Mm -hmm. But digging a little deeper, I just was curious. It's like, why did they pick this one? Is there anything about that issue? Because it's like weirdly, Henry's read comics before, but they haven't like drawn attention to like, what are you reading? What is that? And so it's written by Damon Lindelof, Lost Co-creator, who helped in the development of Once Upon a Time.
2: Oh, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, so they did not just grab a random comic off the shelves at their local comic book shop the day when they were filming. That was specifically picked as a nod.
2: That's cute. All the comics we've seen Henry Reed so far are Incredible Hulk related. So it's good to see that he has a favorite superhero.
0: Ned's the Hulk. Should we read into that? I know. Does
1: Henry grow up to become (laughs) the Incredible Hulk? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't put it past the writers.
2: Well, the original story of the Hulk was Bruce Banner suffered so much abuse, he made a secondary personality when he was a kid. And then later on, when he was exposed to the gamma radiation, that personality came forward and became the Hulk.
1: That's really interesting. I think Bruce Banner is definitely the Avenger that I know the least about.
2: Yeah, Hulk is a very not super popular character, despite the fact they're doing a lot of cool stuff with him in the comics.
0: Yeah, they use him a lot and they've had some recent arcs that were like really interesting, like playing into more like horror type mm-hmm. tropes that I uh did not read but know of.
2: Yeah. Or
1: the record. Shall we discuss the true highlight of this episode? Regina's outfit when she steps out of the carriage in the Enchanted Forest. So yes. good. So. This one this one struck me right away, and then I saw in the notes Robert had already written about it, and then when mm-hmm. I was talking to Carter about this episode, they were like, no, I want to be there. This is Regina's best outfit. They are not wrong. It absolutely is. If you need a visualization, her hair is combed to the side and she has a huge like a hairpiece in of voluminous curls, very bouncy curls all the way down to like almost her waist. And -hmm. then she has a sideways witch hat tilted on her head like a miniature witch hat with a Mm -hmm. big brim. And yep. a, like, half leather, like, almost poncho with a collar that just goes to her mid-chest. And she's in this, like, purple outfit with a corset mm-hmm. and a huge fluffy skirt. It's giving everything. It's, yep. wow. It is just so, it's Hansel and Gretel. We've got
0: a storybook witch. Let's dress up Regina to look like a storybook witch. Yeah. And it's so good. Because she usually, I mean, she doesn't usually look like a witch. She looks like an evil queen. She looks queen, like a queen Yes. This is like very witchy. And then I think, and then the kids try to run away from her. Cause you're like, what are you doing in my woods? And they're like, shit, run, run. And they run off and she teleports herself with magic and she captures them with roots from, and it's very like, yeah, the roots, the roots is very
2: good. The CGI <laughs> in the Harry Potter movie from like 10 years prior for like the roots in that scene are so much better than the cgi for these roots and i know erica said in the press you can't compare like the production value of a movie and a tv show but the roots are so fucking bad in this in this little thing
0: they are but i feel like just regina's gravitas really sells it for me because she's really bringing i would say not evil queen but witchy vibes with the whole thing so like i didn't mind the bad cgi in this one so much because i felt like it was sold whereas sometimes i feel like the bad
1: cgi isn't being sold by the the people who have to engage with it Hmm. I can't remember that exact moment with those roots in in Sorcerer's Stone, but I was going to say that so much of Sorcerer's Stone is practical effects. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. The Devil's Snare isn't CG. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Devil's Snare is...
2: (laughs) That's probably why it looked better then. My bad. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are some moments of of hilarious CGI, like Voldemort on the back of the head, the centaurs coming in. Mm -hmm. Those aren't great, but...
2: (laughs) Any of the broom scenes, the Quidditch matches.
1: The troll right. slinging the child around. Yeah, but all the really good stuff is is practical. Mm-hmm. Highlight character I'm invested in, I want to talk about Regina in this episode. She mm. plays sort of a small part with sending the kids into the Candy Witch's place, but mm. she decides that she wants to adopt Hansel and Gretel basically in the Enchanted Forest she's Mm -hmm. like you guys have impressed me in this epic speech where she's like I've sent other kids in there before and they haven't made it out but you guys did so like good for you and do you want to come live with me in a castle and the boy is Hansel is very into it and he's like Mm -hmm. oh my god a castle and she's like you get your own room you get your own personal carriage and Mm -hmm. I was literally so mad at them for not accepting her offer.
2: It's about the principle. It's about family.
1: But you she can, did just moments
0: before admit that she had sent other children to their death. <laughs> All the the bones, the child bones that we see in front of the, the candy witch in the, the gingerbread house. That's Regina's
1: doing. But they made it out. So <laughs> they made it out. And so they should train and live under an evil witch and become evil witches in this dark, dark castle. That would have been fun for them. But it's okay. They wanted to find their dad. Whatever
2: yeah yep. in that scene where uh the kids are like yeah i know we don't want to get adopted by you you're a terrible awful person we want our dad i'm like okay so regina got roasted by two kids and decided that she was gonna personally make sure that their two lives were gonna be hell when they went to storybrook
1: good be <laughs> petty yeah. to children
2: I, I, I... I think there's being petty and then there's ensuring that they live as homeless kids scrounging for food and supplies and whatever for 28 years.
1: Carter's not here. Fran's not here. I'm the Regina apologist tonight. (laughs) I felt so bad for her in that moment. And mostly just what a great, what a great character establishment that she has been trying to become a mother for a long time. She has this nurturing side of herself where she wants kids. She wants to mentor someone. Mm -hmm. And she's been trying, but nobody sees her as being a fit mother, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, no, that moment where she's like, you can live, and she does look so, she spins and throws her arms out, like, like, you bought
1: a new car!
0: Like, she's so genuinely, like, excited about, like, being able to offer this to these kids. Yeah, she, like, planned the speech that she was gonna tell them, Mm -hmm. to entice them to live there. And I think, like, she probably genuinely believes in that moment that the dad abandoned them. Like, these kids Mm -hmm. are alone in the woods, her woods, that's dangerous, your dad's not there, he said he'd be there and he's not, like... Why don't you want to come with me? I will keep you safe. I will protect you. I want you. That man didn't want you. And then they still pick the dad over her. And that sucks. And I'd forgotten. Somehow I'd forgotten that Regina and Storybrooke knows. In this episode like I didn't forget that she knows but I forgot that she knows and also would remember that these two kids are Hansel and Gretel who yeah, once said they too. didn't want to live in her castle and that's why she's so actively trying to be like no we need to send them to Boston and get rid of them even though she knows their dad is in town <laughs> she knows that guy is there hmm. and I'm like damn Regina it has been definitely at least over 30 years now i think you need to let this go
2: that's her whole character and up until like i don't know (laughs) season three or whatever she can't let it go she can't let her past go she can't let bygones be bygones and live a happy life she wants revenge on everyone who's ever wronged her including two kids who she found in the woods
1: including two 12 year olds
2: fuck your life in particular
1: (laughs) and good and good regina you should remember your enemies you should you should take those names down and never forget him well since you mentioned Boston Darian Mm -hmm. I'm gonna speak my piece about the (laughs) I feel like this is the first episode where there's this correlation that gets drawn because we know that Emma is like biological family and that's kind of what her character represents she's like I'm your biological mother and family will always find each other and blood should always stick together and then Regina has been this like adoption she literally says in this episode must i remind you that genetics mean nothing miss swan mm-hmm. um and they have that kind of binary going but in this episode it also becomes solidified that mm-hmm, there's a mm-hmm. new tie-in where emma is not only representative of like biological families the most important thing she also equals foster care and the system is very very bad and regina equals the system is good and the system is our best option and i just mm-hmm, think that mm-hmm. that's such a that's such a dangerous binary to create. Those things are not fully correlated. We shouldn't associate Regina's character with thinking that the foster care system is a great system, because obviously it's not great. It's not. No. Yeah.
2: It's just, it's deliberate, and I think it's weird. It's to have your hero denounce adoption and to denounce, like, the foster system because of her personal bad experiences, but to have the villain endorse the foster care system mainly because it'll get hansel and gretel out of her out of her hair but also to quote unquote it's the right thing to do yeah and
0: it's i think it's important uh one thing i want to because i definitely agree with everything you're saying i don't think emma represents adoption being bad Hmm. specifically because she does say in this episode that she gave henry up because she believed that was going to be his best option that she basically Put her kid in what would be like the foster care system, essentially. Put him up for right. adoption if no one adopted him. Genuinely believing she was not fit enough to take care of him, that this was going to be her child's best option. And then she says that when he found her and she saw that that was not the case is when she decided, I need to step back in because right. something's not right here. And I feel like it's my... I, this kid didn't ask to be brought in the world. I brought him in the world. Right. And I owe him to make right. sure he's going to be okay. But yes, it is a really gross and unpleasant and mean parallel to draw between biology, good, foster system, bad as a result, and adoption, bad, foster system, good, as the way they're doing with the hero right. and villain, where you can have foster system broken, but it doesn't have to be this weird. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and I actually think that, I mean, maybe to back that a little bit, I don't actually think the show draws this hard line, like it mm-hmm. creates this hard binary between the two because of what you said about Emma And her character and her decisions that she's made Not only Mm -hmm. what she experienced in the foster system But the decision she made with Henry To give him up for adoption And Mm -hmm. also, there are some lines where Regina says That she knows that this isn't ideal But it is the best option Rather than putting the kids in foster care Isn't ideal, she doesn't want to split them up Obviously, but Mm -hmm. it's better Than them living guardianless In an abandoned attic Yes, except she does want to split them up Because she hates them (laughs) Right, but we don't know that Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We don't know that yeah, I think that the show, I think that it's a really great episode as far as all of those themes that yes. we should be thinking mm-hmm. about with Emma's experiences and also her decisions and Regina's experiences and decisions. And that as long as we take this time to think about all the intricacies yeah. of what both of these women have done with their lives and mm-hmm. with their history, that it's really interesting. But if you don't mm-hmm. take the time to think about it, then it draws the possibility, the dangerous fun. possibility of being like, oh, well, da, 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 da.
0: Yeah, I don't think when you say it, you don't say like, you're not saying, oh, thing bad. It's more like yeah. this thing exists and needs to be interrogated.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And I actually think seeing Regina wanting to open her home to Hansel and Gretel actually does a lot to establish, Regina, like you said earlier, like as someone who is caring and wants to be a mentor, wants to be a mother and wants those things and wants to have love in her life. And I think that is a lot where it's like, how did the evil queen get this kid? Like Henry's like, she doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me. But I think this, scene where we see her wanting to take in these two kids establishes that she does love henry that's her son she does care about him and just what's happening now is making it difficult for her to be able to show him and henry who i think has Emma's superpower to know when people are lying knows Mm. she's lying about everything so why wouldn't she be lying about caring about me at all Mm. so it's a lot
2: honestly i think the cherry on top of the cake of quote-unquote the system is evil is that we have Regina, the villain, forcing Emma, the hero, to take the children to Boston to, like, split them up to the, the individual homes. Behind the curtain, we know it's Regina being diabolical and trying to be like, these kids in particular, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you, Miss Swan, my mortal enemy who's destined to break my curse, fuck you. I'm going to make all three of you as miserable as possible. Take them to Boston, split them up. Even though like, she does remember that no one can leave Storybrooke, right? Like,
1: Okay, yeah. This episode establishes some things. I remember Darian saying at one point, like we didn't actually know that no one could leave Storybrooke until later because like Ruby is sleeping her way up and down the Eastern seaboard. But now it's supposedly established that people can't leave because her car breaks down when she's trying to drive them out. What I said was Ruby wanted to go sleep her way up and down the
0: Eastern seaboard, but (laughs) Ranny had a heart attack and that was the bad thing that kept Ruby from leaving.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. okay. Okay, okay, okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Regina has made it so people can't leave,
0: so she can continue to torment them forever. Yeah. I think she sends Emma, one, to torment Emma, but also because... Emma can leave? She's not from here, so she can go away.
2: Yeah, but the kids can't leave, and she knows that.
0: But Maybe they can leave if they're with Emma?
2: Who knows? Maybe the last episode with the election... With how Gold found that loophole that he that he put in there, obviously, Mm -hmm. because it's his curse. Maybe Regina is now being like, okay, maybe there are other loopholes that I can exploit.
0: Yeah, maybe. I like that vibe. Can
1: we talk about the kids? Someone say Mr. Gold. Oh, Sarah! You're on mute! Nope. Nope. Darian, that's for you. Your your turn. No, no, no. no.
2: Mr. Gold, he's wonderful, as always. There's something about his performance. It's like a triple layer performance where it's Robert Carlyle being Stillskin, pretending to not be Stillskin, pretending to be Mr. Gold. And he really sells it when he looks at the watch and he like gives his expert opinion on like the craftsmanship and how it looks. And he's like, only one has ever been sold and it's from this shop. And he even sells like, here, I have the information on this piece of paper. It's this guy, go find him. <laughs> Even though when we when we see the paper, it's blank.
1: Yes, I missed that. I was thinking, such a serve. Ah. That whole scene, I was very hung up in my head on. Well, what's the situation with the dad in storybrook versus in the Enchanted Forest, because in Storybrooke, he never knew about them, but in the Enchanted Forest, he abandoned them. So what's going on with the curse there? And then when Rumple is like, oh yes, I sold him this compass, that seems like that would not be the case in Storybrooke because the kids would have entered Storybrook with the compass. And so then when we find yeah. out that Mr. Gold was totally making that up, I was like, oh, he thinks of everything. He's so good. <laughs> we should
0: probably note that in Enchanted Forest, the dad doesn't actually abandon the kids a la the Hansel and Gretel right. fairy tale. They just get separated somehow. It's not really clear how or why that happened.
2: I think it's supposed to be implied that Regina just like swooped in and separated them just so she could be like, oh, now I have two children who can go to the blind witch's house.
0: Mm, Okay. Okay. Speaking of the
2: blind witch, Darian, you were trying to start that. Let's talk about the blind witch. Let's
0: talk about the blind witch. Yeah. 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 Love everything about her. Hate her so much. Glad she burned to death in her own oven.
2: I liked her vibe. I was not particularly fond of how enthusiastic she was about cooking and killing children. A little too enthusiastic for me.
1: Did no one Mm -hmm. else think this? She was literally just doing an impression of Sarah Jessica Parker in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, it's Sarah Sanderson. She's just doing Sarah Sanderson. Which is not bad. I mean, go on. No, not a bad. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We should have more of that. (laughs) That's great. I I, I actually agree with that as a poll. Like, what are we going to do? I'm a, a witch. I eat kids. This Mm. feels
1: good. Children. Yeah. Mm
0: -mm. (laughs) Butter or gravy.
2: No. And then like when she dies (laughs) and (laughs) Regina through the magic mirror is like, personally, I would have gone gone with gravy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do like to like the kids trap her in the oven as they do, but it's not actually on. And then through the magic mirror, Regina blasts the fireball to actually kill her. And I'm like, I love that. Oh, yeah. it's so evil. She's like, I mean, the witch was like eats children. So it's like, I don't feel bad for her. You'd almost kind <sighs> of feel bad for her, like begging to let me out. But like, oh, you ate a bunch of kids. You're creepy. You got this weird gesture's collar thing going on that I love, but also hate.
2: Yeah. Again, back to what we we're talking about, the kids. Why is Gretel doing all the work and Hansel's the one who's like, Hansel, stay, stay still, don't touch anything?
1: Have the- you, you ever been 12 years work. old and known a 12 year old boy?
2: i I was a 12 year old you know what actually in hindsight yeah no telling 12 year old me to sit still and shut up would have been the best solution and i would have also eaten the cupcake and wait and woken up the the blind witch
0: it's like just take the cupcake hansel take the cupcake with you just take it outside just take it with you this is abu from aladdin
2: can regina just like not give them something to eat like it doesn't have to be delectable just something so that they're not tempted to eat something from the fucking house
0: But, like, in in the the fairy tale myth, it is Gretel who's being forced to do the housework, and, like, Hansel, who's, like, trapped, and the witch is trying to feed him, and Gretel's like, she wants to feel your bones, because in the fairy tale, Gretel, or Hansel, has to stick his finger out so the witch can feel it, and if he's getting plumper and plumper, she'll feel it in his finger, and so Gretel's one that's like, oh, stick one of the chicken bones out every time, so she thinks you're still skinny, even though he is getting plumper, because he's being forced to eat all this food. Mm. so And it is, yeah, it is Gretel who saves the day in in the, the fairy tale, so...
2: I mean, hey, good for her, I guess. Strong, yeah. independent female characters. The best.
1: I think everything I know about Hansel and Gretel is from Sister Grimm. <laughs> that and does Dallard. sound vaguely familiar.
2: <laughs> yeah. Can we appreciate a little bit, I don't know if it's wordplay or foreshadow, or I, don't, I don't exactly know what literary term is, but there's a scene where Emma and Mary Margaret are just chatting over like laundry, and Mary Margaret's like, so do you think you found your parents? And Emma's like, no, not yet. I'm like, ooh, yeah, not yet. Not until you break the curse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah, Dramatic irony? I guess. Yeah, since we know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Since we're talking about them as, like, Emma and, and Mary Margaret, like, have you found your parents yet? No. And then, as you mentioned during uh, the 60-second recap, Erica, when Mary Margaret smells the baby blanket. Oh, yeah. For some reason. Which is like a thing like, yeah, a mom would do that even when her kid is an adult. Mary Margaret has no business doing it. But like watching that scene, I'm just like, hey, why was Graham having flashbacks of his memory from being around Emma just because he was the huntsman that saved Snow White? But that doesn't actually happen to her literal mother who's right there and lives with her.
1: I guess the curse is just very, very strong for Mary Margaret. Like, they really cooked it up for her. Mm. I mean, they did.
2: (laughs) Regina is literally like, listen, there are three people in particular that I want this curse to fuck over. Snow White and these two fucking kids who didn't want to live with me. (laughs) 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 Everyone can get, like, generic bad. I want these three in specific to suffer. Yeah. Are we ready to move on to characters we're invested in this episode?
1: Just Regina for me. I, I want her to find a family so bad.
2: For me, it's definitely the kids. I, they're just Aww. so sweet and so kind and their siblingship is strong and all they've got is each other and I appreciate the like con artistry they did at the beginning with Henry. Henry's just chilling in his reading his comic and I keep forgetting what their storybook names are.
1: Oh, yo, I have no idea. I do not recall.
2: Hansel and Gretel. Gretel is chatting with Henry and uh being like oh hey you're in miss blanchard's class right i'm like babe they're all in miss blanchard's class you're you've all been taught by the same fucking teacher for like 28 years mm-hmm. and she's like oh so you're in miss blanchard's class how are you, you want to hang out meanwhile hansel's in the back sneaking in like chocolate bars and toothpaste and stuff into henry's backpack
0: yeah. And you know he was definitely only supposed to put the, the toilet paper and the actual essentials in here. And this brat just jumped the candy in on top of it. Yeah. Their goal was, we need toothpaste and toilet paper. And he was like, mm, what's-its? <laughs> He's got a sweet tooth. Yeah, yeah. And it gets literally gets him into trouble.
2: He's been a 12-year-old for 28 years. Let him have his fucking chocolate.
1: I guess that's fair. Probably longer, <sighs> considering the time between when Regina encounters them in the forest and when she enacts the curse
2: probably. Darian, who who was the character you liked this episode?
1: All
0: right. Uh for me I was most invested in I think just Emma and Henry and and their relationship. It felt like they've gotten a lot more comfortable with each other cuz like when Henry asked about the dad, like that would be if that happened first half of the season, you know Emma would have been like up oh, up oh, nope, absolutely not. You don't need to know that. Fuck off. But like she's gotten more comfortable just being around him that she's I mean she lies. She still lies. But I feel like she would not have been like able to tell the lie so smoothly had she not felt comfortable just sharing anything with Henry at all, hmm. or like going into those details and giving that to him. And it's like she lies and that sucks, and he does need to know the truth. But simultaneously, like he's ten years old, and there is like times to like share that with your kid. But is it when they're ten, or is it older? Like Emma doesn't know; she hasn't been a mom for that long. She's literally still trying to learn. But I liked that the comfort they seem to be developing with each other. And also when Emma's talking to Hansel Gretel's dad, Michael, the mechanic, and he's like, I can't I don't know anything about these kids. Like, I don't know how to be a father. I'm not good. Like, I can barely run my mechanic shop. I can't take care of these two kids. And Emma's talking to him from, like, this place of, like, both, like, a child who was, like, abandoned by her biological parents. And simultaneously as an adult who was unexpectedly called upon to be a parent, i I like the dynamic of that one and also when she says to him like the reason i don't have my kid is because i don't have a choice and it's like oh you realize oh if emma got to snap her fingers and make it happen she'd have custody of henry Mm. like that's how attached she is becoming to henry like she's like that's my kid and i don't have him because i can't not because i don't want him and i think that's big for her
2: yeah wasn't such a huge fan of. I don't think they try to paint the mechanic Michael as like a villain or like a bad guy for not wanting to take his kids. Like he made some strong arguments. I don't have enough money. I don't have a safe environment. I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And Emma's like, no, I mean, it's better than them going into the foster care system. I mean, uh, yeah, technically, I guess.
0: I mean, you don't know anything about this guy. Like, yeah, you can't just like say you got to take care of these kids. He could be a monster. You don't know. Yeah, I would have needed a scene of her looking into him first, at least she's she's (laughs) the
1: bonds person,
2: you you know, that thing that's like a part of her character that she should be doing.
1: Yeah, I think that's my that's my fan time moment for this episode is when she calls him to bring the tow truck and forces him to see his children for the first time after Mm -hmm. he said explicitly that he does not want any part of this i mean it makes so much sense for emma's character this is exactly mm-hmm. the right thing to do with the writing but i was like as sheriff emma something about this feels like feels wrong like you are manipulating this man he is clueless mm-hmm. he's been cursed but it makes sense yeah. and it works out in the end oh
0: <laughs> and it works but listen, it feels so isn't. It- if he really didn't want these kids he would have left
2: <laughs> yeah i
0: know but it's icky yeah you're right it's like oh you shouldn't do that you're sheriff <laughs> as the audience the writing wants you to be like oh yes Emma just make him see the kids and they'll he'll, he'll like realize I have to be the dad to them and it's like but in real life
2: nothing's changed from the conversation we had where I said I was broke and I don't have a safe environment for kids
1: yeah I don't know none of us are parents I'm not gonna go too deep on like whether or not somebody should claim their children that they didn't know about but like it's a whole it's a whole thing
2: <laughs> there is a line from Bojack Horseman where one of the characters shut up where the character is like i myself don't have kids and yet i judge every parent i ever meet and i'm like yeah i'll do that
0: i get that i work in a retail environment in which adults bring their children in all the time and i judge every one of them all of them every day um here's the thing though dad the mechanic can't just take those kids he has no custody to them he's not written down like they pull out their birth certificates and their father is labeled as unknown. Like the mother did not disclose who the father was. Hmm. They would have to do like DNA tests. There was paperwork. He can't just like take the kids, especially when the system is already aware that these two children have been living homeless. Their mother is deceased and there's no record of the father. Like even if he shows up and says like, I want to take custody of my kids, they actually do still have to go into the system. I don't know what the rules are in Massachusetts, but in the state of Idaho where I'm at, If something happens to, like, the parents who have custody of the kids and the parents did not leave any, like, written will or direction of who to take the children, kids go in the system for 30 30 to 60 days regardless. Even if they have, like, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, someone who is there that day to be like, I can take the kids, they can come with me, doesn't matter. Unless there's paperwork saying, yeah, you can take these kids, they go in the system until things get processed. Uh, So dad the mechanic doesn't get to just take those kids.
2: To be fair, we don't see or hear from these kids ever again. So as far as we know, that, that happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I also need a call out uh, earlier in the episode when Sneezy, the shopkeeper, kind of assaults the kids because he thinks they were shoplifting and like grabs Henry's bag. It's like, you cannot do that. No. You absolutely cannot do that. Even if you see someone literally drop something in their bag you cannot do that. You were not allowed to do that. That is grounds. Like that is like, you can take <sighs> him discrimination. They just like, there are a thousand things like, yeah, these kids had no one protecting him. Henry's the son of the mayor. He's lucky. He didn't get like sued
1: by yeah. Regina. I know these are kids, but in the retail environment I work in, we always say, if you think someone has stolen something, do absolutely nothing. It's not worth a confrontation. It's not worth something getting violent. Just let it go.
2: It's
1: (laughs) fine. You can be like, make sure you're giving great customer service. Oh, hi, we're finding everything. Okay. You're doing all right. Yeah. We'll check the security cameras after and like, see what happened. But like, don't, don't start an altercation. Don't, yeah. Even with kids, it doesn't matter. But yeah, one, Regina would have sued
0: that guy for grabbing her son. Absolutely. 100%. Also, when the kids are begging Emma not to, like, arrest them, it's not up to Emma. If the shopkeeper wanted to press charges, he could, and Emma doesn't get to say anything about it.
2: No, it's just always those little things. When you've worked in the field or you know a particular fact or a particular aspect of a work environment, and you see that being played with in a TV show or a movie, you you can't help but call it out.
0: Mm-hmm. like whenever you see podcasters on a program now and you're just like that's not how that works
1: you that's never see them pop.
0: editing anything no ever <laughs> only murders in a building great show you never see them editing their show but he does that's talk funny. about editing it he is like oh okay. well i'll cut all of those
1: clips together in post <laughs> oh great well glad he talks about it okay, that's yeah.
2: right if only it was that easy if only we just talked about it and then the and podcast magically edited yeah mm-hmm.
0: Alright, we're uh, complaining about having to edit our show now. Shall we uh, gather to the end and meet our mysterious stranger who rolls into town?
2: He's definitely, I don't know what direction they gave his character, but his character reads to me, nerdy guy who tries to act cool. Like, he comes in with his leather jacket. That's exactly how it
1: reads. That is exactly how it reads. Mm Because he's kind of short, too, and, like, almost, like, scrawny looking, but he's giving, like, edgy, like, part, like, edgy beard.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Leather. Like, his leather
2: jacket, his motorcycle. I'm like, "Mm, this is, like, what I would have thought was cool in, like,
1: 2011, 2012. Yep. Yep. I love the introduction of him though at the end of this episode because here we are thinking about Henry's dad and then this dude comes in and we're like oh my god this is obviously Henry's dad but then Emma and him have no idea who each other are so we're like okay I guess it's not Henry's dad so like literally who is this? Yeah, it is great show wise especially when this show like this particular episode like harps
0: so much on no one leaves no one comes in and this dude at the very end just I'm just in town hey don't I didn't give my name don't worry about it and it is like the intrigue simultaneously this is my least fucking favorite character in the whole fucking show. So here oh, we God, are. He's awful. He's so awful. I, I don't
2: remember him. I remember he has one altercation with Silskin later. I just don't remember anything else about his character.
1: We'll get there. We'll get there. We can talk about him in the next episode. Yeah, we'll talk it, about him it, next. It, I think he doesn't it, make any sense. Yeah. No, no, but it, it's,
0: it's a good way to end the episode. Cause it, it just airs that like mystery and like, Ooh, what is that about? Who is he? It's like the vibes. I appreciate the vibes, even though I know how they play out and they disappoint me.
2: Yeah. So I guess that wonderfully transitions to characters we didn't like. That's the character you didn't like in the whole show.
1: Literally my least favorite character.
2: Erica, what character didn't you like this episode?
1: Um, I love all of them. I feel I feel complicatedly about Emma forcing these children onto this man. But other than that, I understand everyone's choices. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm for me it's the dad but like begrudgingly i guess he's the one i shouldn't like too much but also he makes very valid points where he's like i don't have money i don't have a safe environment i shouldn't take these kids but i like emma and i like regina so i'm not gonna make either of them the person i hate this week <laughs> <laughs> i mean overall this is just a very fun episode i like this
0: solid episode though. i think it did a lot for for character for plot for for emma particularly mm. yeah henry was not annoying in this episode
2: surprisingly
0: yeah i mean he's 10 10 year olds are uh, on principle the most annoying creatures on the planet it's not his fault but he was like yeah
2: he was dare i say adorable adorable
1: just wants to know about his dad just wants to help these kids he has no he was friends. so excited at the beginning that the girl was paying attention to him yeah he was
0: it's like i mean i think oh i'm about to go on like my whole henry thing i can't right now i'm just i'm Stick a pen in Henry Slander
2: on the timeline. Let's hear it.
0: No, I actually just feel bad for Henry. And it's oh. like, no, like, because it's like he has no friends. And it's not just because his mom's the mayor. It's because he ages and no one else does. And even if the kids don't know this is happening, there's something about him that's going to rub them the wrong way. They're going to feel uncomfortable around this kid who doesn't belong. Mm. He's just a miserable kid who's not in a good place. And I don't know. He's just doing his best.
2: Henry is an average kid who no one understands.
0: (laughs) Give Henry fairy godparents.
2: They exist, I guess, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, just Cosmo and Wanda up here out of nowhere.
0: (laughs) Specifically, it's Cosmo and Wanda from the Nickelodeon property.
2: So that, I guess, concludes this episode of Entering Storybrooke. If you would like to get into contact with the show, there are a few ways to do that. You can email us at enteringstorybrookepodcast at outlook.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Our individual Instagrams and Twitters and such for, like, all our other podcasts are also listed in the description. We will see you guys in two weeks. Darian, close us out.
1: I got so embarrassed and self-conscious all of a sudden. I physically can't. Erica, can you do it? Well, Snow White has been cavorting with the dwarves. When did that happen? We'll find out in a couple of weeks. Is that fine? Okay. <laughs>